there's multiple verses in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides us in every way uh, through the Quran. And just was yesterday or the day before, I had an opportunity to look again as to the relevant verses uh, that could guide us and give us uh, some direction. Uh, not just direction, but give us some shifa and uh, give us some feeling of uh, hope and promise and a removal of our despondency and mashallah it's it's amazing how the quran has this ability to do that so for example the verse that i just recited right now it is as if it's written for this occasion for this carnage for this violence uh, that, that we are experiencing, that our brothers are experiencing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Ali Imran, you are certainly going to be tested in your wealth and in yourselves. You're also going to certainly be hearing and listening to a lot of um, a lot of uh, harmful statements, you're going to hear a lot of criticism, you're going to have to sec walk on eggshells, uh, if, I, if I speak about the current, like it's difficult for Imams to even say something in support of what they feel is right. There's somebody on, there's somebody, uh, there's some papers that are going around and nothing incriminating but they're making it sound as if it's going against British values or against what certain politicians are saying and it just makes it that much more difficult. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already telling us that you're certainly going to be he hearing from those who are given the book before you and from those who are polytheists, who are uh, who ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, abundant, abundant harm, harmful things. Harmful things. But then Allah says, وَإِذْ If you are patient and uh, you exercise God-fearingness, that's, that's the most important thing. We, we're going to have to develop further. We're going to have to develop further. We're going to have to get weed out the difficult, the, you can say, our non-permissible pleasures or whatever it may be that you know we are involved in Allah protect us because that's the only way to gain taqwa and the more ummatis the more people in the ummah rectify themselves that is how much more mercy descends that spreads over the world Gaza is not happening because of them Gaza is happening because of the condition of the Muslim woman. There's absolutely no doubt that we can explore that in multiple ways. So Allah says, if that happens, your, your job is to do sabr and have taqwa because ultimately 
that is of the resolute matters. Allah says, We reveal in this Quran that which is going to be a cure for you. Not just cure from physical ailments. In fact, it's more cure from spiritual ailments. And from all of these disconcerting issues that we face. And it's a source of mercy. So there's multiple verses like that. Another verse is, Alif Lam Mim Do people think do people think that they're just gonna be left alone once they've said La ilaha illallah and they're not gonna be tested? So the test uh, that's happening and that does happen is just part of being a believer. We're not gonna look for a test, but if it comes we have to deal with it because Allah has told us how to deal with it. Now, you have to also remember that we can't win every single battle in this world. Nobody wins every battle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the system that in battle of Badr, we won. The Muslims won. And it was such a surprise win. Um, not very well equipped. And 70 of the leaders of the Quraysh perished during that. Imagine the push that it gave the leaders. Then it came out. Then it came to the Battle of Uhud. There was an initial victory, after which there was a setback. The Prophet even got wounded in that one. But then, after that, we had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, regarding Hudaybiyah, when we signed the treaty, that, We've given you a clear victory. It didn't appear like one. It didn't appear like one. Omar was questioning, how did we agree to this? It seems disadvantageous for us. But the Quran called it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called it a victory. And surely enough, it was a victory thereafter. So, there'll be, I believe it's when America was leaving Vietnam, they said to the Viet Congs, they said that we won the battle. Said you may have won the battle, but we won the war. So, Alhamdulillah, Muslims are still those who understand their faith, who practice their, their own, they're the largest group, but proportionately speaking, they're also the largest group that, that follow their, um, their lead. There may be others who have greater followings, but in terms of active followers, who will pray regularly, the proportion of Muslims anywhere in the world will be those who actually follow them. Their faith is still a living one. It hasn't been chopped up. We have 20, 30, 40 million Kuffars of the Quran. People have memorized their... There's nobody else who can even maybe show us five people who memorize their book. You go to Clapton and, or probably Tower Hamlets or New and there's a thousand Kuffars in each of these areas. Family structure is still in Islam. We still have all of these things. We have to maintain this. SubhanAllah, the world that we're living in, it's getting so confusing, so confusing, that there are unfortunately people who don't know where they are in terms of whether they're male or female. My heart goes out to such people. It's not a good place to be. It's not a nice place to be, to be confused about these things. 
to one day feel like something, to one day feel like something else. I don't say this to criticize somebody, I'm saying this that genuinely this is something which is heartbreaking that we have confusion about this thing. So, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, despite everything, Islam is still, and I hate to say this because it's said so many times, but it is a reality, it's the fastest growing religion. Right? I hate to say it because, I mean, I don't... It's like, what did I do for that? So I feel like a hypocrite even saying that. But I'm just saying it because a lot of believers, they get shaken up when these kind of things happen. That is Islam the true religion or not? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised multiple things. Uh, for, for those who came before, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised that you work from Fajr to Dhuhr and I'll give you one qirat, one qirat. They worked, Allah gave them that measure of reward. For the next group that came, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you work from Dhuhr to Asr and I'll give you a qirat, qirat. And they worked, and they got the one measure, one measure for the work that they did. Then it says that the Muslims came along and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you just work from between Asr to Maghrib. And if you take that in the Hanafi time, that makes more sense because it's the shortest amount of time, but you, I will give you two measures each. The other said, why are you giving them double? He said, Allah will say, that didn't I give you what I promised you? Did I reduce from your right anything? This is just fadila, this is just excess, this is just additional bonus that I give to whom, he, whom I want. So now, there's a lot of things going, but yes, there's going to be many battles we're going to lose, but ultimately, the deen has to continue. The deen has to continue. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised, has actually promised nasr and assistance after struggle. The Prophet went through struggle himself. Numerous struggles until uh, the, the, the last few years of his life. The first majority of his life was struggle, if that's anything to go by. So we struggle, there will be struggle, but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us elevation, has shown us how the deen dominated. Unfortunately, we, we lost our way, so it's no longer like that anymore. Allah says in Surah Al-Rum 47, it's a right upon us, meaning it's a responsibility to assist the believers, just become true believers. Allah says in Surah At-Tawbah, verse 33, He has sent his messenger with guidance and with the, the true faith to make it dominate upon all other faiths, even if the polytheists dislike it. There's multiple verses like that in the Quran. And mashallah, this is how our brothers are, despite everything that's happening. When you, when you see how they just deal with it and carry on, Allah says, These are the people when others told them that people have gathered against you. Superpowers can gather together. The most developed nations can gather together. You need to be fearful of them. You need to fear them. It just increased their faith. What a strange thing that is. Everybody's out to get you and suddenly your faith increases? How does that even make sense? How does that even make sense? 
This is what it is. They said, Allah is sufficient for us and He is the best of patrons. We don't have that belief then we're, we're going to be consigned to the various different means of the world and we're going to be at loss. This is the only thing that can give you strength. They return from this test with great bounties from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fadl, which means bonus and excess and merits and fadila and virtues. No evil afflicted them, meaning evil that is considered to be evil in the grand scheme of things. They followed the ridwan of Allah, they followed the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah has the greatest fadl and the greatest virtue. Now you have to remember, imagine if we had no belief in the hereafter. Imagine if it was just this world. Just imagine, like think about if you were in some kind of trouble, whatever trouble that is, and you can't get out of it because everybody, there's nobody you can look out to except Allah. But imagine you didn't have a belief in Allah. And every other means of the world was against you. So you had a certain case, people were oppressing you, but the courts and everybody are against you. Alhamdulillah, in this country we have some kind of justice in the court system, but in many countries they don't. And people feel absolutely helpless and despondent. Imagine you're in that situation, you've got nobody to ask. How would your life be? How would your life be? And then suddenly you put into that the fact that there's a purpose for this. I'll get my real reward and my rightful, uh, my, my rights on the day when there will be absolute justice. It suddenly gives you some humans go by, humans, uh, they, they, they work on hope. Humans work on promises. Humans work on hope. If a person is put through persecution, but they know it's only going to last five days or five years, that is much better than the person who thinks they're going to be in there forever. Psychologically, we are very powerful. The humans deal with a lot of things psychologically. There are people, they fight cancer and various other diseases. But the day the doctor tells them that your chemotherapy or whatever it is did work and your cancer has spread, I've seen so many people lose their hope. They stop fighting. Literally from that day they start going down. Unless they've got some other hope to give them. But the doctors here insist on telling you. They insist on telling you. They don't leave it to the family. So our faith system, which is based on that, that drives us. It's not just our physical self that drives us. Our physical self is just a container. But people are willing to do things for their love. People are willing to do things for their cause. People are willing to give sacrifices for a certain objective. That's what we need to, that, that's the resilience. There's somebody from the Jordanian hospital system they visited uh, for three hours. He said, I, I wish I could stay here longer because of the amazing feeling of brotherhood and iman and blessing and everything, even though they're being bombarded. There's something else going on down there. Otherwise, how do you even survive? Yes, people will cry. The Prophet ﷺ even wept when his, grand, when his grandchild passed away in his hands. He wept and said, how come you're weeping? This is just natural human expression. There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, how you deal with yourself. So just, just remember that. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina, as long as you make an effort. And one of the most beautiful things is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, regarding sabr and patience, Allah says in Surah Al-Anfal, In yakum minkum ishruna sabiruna yaghribu mi'atayn. If there's just 20 of you who have solid patience, proper patience for the sake of Allah, they're going to be able to overcome 20, uh, 200. Allah says that in the Quran. 20 compared to 200. And He says, وَإِيَّكُمْ مِنْكُمْ مِنَا You have a hundred. يَغْلِبُ أَلْفًا مِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُونَ be able to dominate over a thousand of those who uh, disbelieve because they are a people who don't understand. Now, there's a spiritual element there, there's psychological element there, there's multiple other elements. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ali Ibn Bala in tasbiru wa Nay, if you are patient and you have taqwa and good fairiness, min fawrihim. And but they, they come immediately, they attack you straight away. Allah is promising that He's going to send 5,000 angels. 5,000 angels. But there's 9,000 people who have died. What kind of a victory is that? Well, you know, those people who have died have gone to a much better place. My assumption is just hearing the way people are dealing with their, their lost loved ones. They weep, they say what they have to say, and then they stand up and they carry on their work. They carry on reporting, they carry on uh, operating on others, assisting others. So I'm assuming that the people who died, they probably all made tawbah. I mean, by now, I mean, if you're in there, you can die any place. I was just sitting at home the other day and thinking, we're so comfortable here. We heard fireworks because it's 5th of November. I'm hearing fireworks. I'm thinking, subhanAllah, there's some serious fireworks going on. So imagine you have, you just, there are people saying that they just don't have any kind of safety. And you can't even feel content. And you can't even feel secure. So in that time, you've already made your, you must have made your tawbah, you're ready to go. And ultimately, again, going back to the fact that if it was only for this life, this would be so depressing. In fact, it would, Palestine would have been lost already. There would be no Palestine by now if there was no concept of the hereafter. How many, how many people have been able to survive this kind of, a, this kind of uh, opposition through all of these years and decades? But their faith is keeping them going. I've been told that they've actually become more religious over the last decades. There's, there's no other option. Who else are you going to look forward to except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, now what we're supposed to do, um, again, keeping in mind what we can do and what we have access to and what we're able to do. So the first thing is we have to be patient and our while we do everything we can for our brothers, but our jobs has to continue. The rest of the world can't crumble. Palestine is one issue. There are multiple other issues and some may even be bigger issues that we still have to sort out, which is literally destroying people's face. I'm not trying to put that issue down, but there's a lot of issues that we still have to work on. That is not our only issue. 
So our da'wah has to continue. Our work has to continue. Our tarbiyah of our awlad needs to continue. We can't be just glued to screens because that's not useful. We need to make du'a. We need to put more time for du'a than glued to our screens. We need to literally change that around. Okay, we need to know a bit, not too much that we become desensitized. But we need to know enough so that it keeps us going and keeps us making du'a. So we continue with the sovereign patience. And the second one is that we have, uh, we, change our, we change ourselves. We change ourselves for the better in every small thing. Especially things that are, uh, one of the most dangerous things are those things which have crept into our lives and we don't even know their sins anymore. They're the worst ones because we don't even know we're committing a sin, so we don't even feel bad about it. So we literally have to study more and to learn more and ask others to tell us, you know, what, what is it that we may be doing wrong that I can do better in. The third thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, another thing which I will say is number three for me, Surah Ali Imran is, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu sabiru, again, sabr comes everywhere. That is the ingredient here, that is the biggest issue. Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu sabiru wa sabiru wa rabitu, wattakullaha la'allakum tuftihun. For people who believe, be patient. Wasabiru and encourage one another for patience. This is the time to do that. Warabitu and do ribat. Ribat usually refers to protecting your borders. And in the global world, as you said, the borders are everywhere. The borders are marching, going out for demonstrations. Because usually demonstrations don't do much. People are so stubborn, those who can make a difference, for whatever reason, demonstrations usually don't do much, unless it's some really massive demonstration, right? Which, the only thing that will change this is a change of perspective. A change of perspective of the common folk, of our brothers and sisters, Muslim and especially non-Muslim. Because ultimately, Everybody's elected, so you can't uh, you can't pander to various different specific interests if majority of the people that are electing you um, are against it. So that is very important, and it's making a difference. It's so different from previous times. There are so many non-Muslims that are discussing this issue. So many non-Muslims that are analyzing the reports analyzing the various different incidents and events, the various different forms of aggression that are taking place, and they're providing some amazing conclusions and perspective is provided. So that's our ribat here. That's our ribat, is to assist and to play, because uh, it's people who are connected to us that are allowing this to happen. We have to be part of this democratic process. <coughs> Other people have worked very hard, and good for them. They've worked hard to get where they have. We need to get to where we want to be. It's a lot of hard work. It doesn't happen overnight, but it has to happen. Number four, At-Tadhallun ila Allahi Ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surah Al-Imran. وَلَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرٍ وَأَنْتُمْ أَذِلَّةٍ Allah assisted you even though you were lowly, a villa. So you have to be humble. 
If you take one meaning from it, you have to be humble, you can't be arrogant. Humility is very, very important. Number five, Surah Al-Anfal, 45. People who believe when you meet up with the group, whether that's your enemy, whether it's somebody who's um, criticizing you, somebody who's fighting against you, somebody who's trying to uh, take you off the right path, stay strong, stay firm, stay steadfast, and remember Allah abundantly. It's the only way that's going to give you that will continue to be straight path. See, if you don't have a regimen of dhikr, if we don't do a regular amount of dhikr, all we got going is news and encouragement from others. There's no internal strength. Really, if you think about it, why is Allah only saying do a lot of dhikr? Because that gives us the internal strength to react correctly to positive cues from the outside. Unless if you don't have any internal strength, then you may listen to the best of khutbas, the best of advices, but your inside is full of something else. Hypocrisy, God, God forgive. That's why dhikr is very important because that strengthens the heart. That is what ignites the flame in the heart to remain resilient, to see things as they are, to go beyond the apparent and see the long picture, the long game, the long-term goals. It's very, very important. Dhikr, along with sabr, is probably the most important things here. La ilaha illallah. Number six is preparation. Preparation. This has happened multiple times. Were we better prepared this time than last time? This is not the first time. It happens every Ramadan usually. And a major event happens every few years. So what have we prepared? How do we respond? How do we assist? How do we help? Not just monetary help. Raising awareness is a massive thing. Raising awareness is probably one of the most influential things. Remember, at least in a democracy, your vote ultimately will count. Not just your vote, but everybody else's. You, we may be second-class citizens, but that's why we need to let this become a general idea, a general understanding that this is not sustainable, this is, doesn't help us in any way whatsoever. Number seven, unity of Muslims. Unity of Muslims. That, that's always been our stumbling block. If you look at the various different problems we've faced in the past, even when we were in a position of strength, it's always been traitors, it's always been Dissenters. It's always been pitting one group against the other because of love of power, love of position, or whatever the case is. You see that among the Seljuks, you see that among the Ottomans, you see that. It, it's surprising, subhanAllah, it's the, 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 how the Ottomans even survived for five, six hundred years. I mean, they were obviously a, a successor to the Seljuks. And then on the side, you have the Mamluks. But ultimately, a lot of the destruction came from infighting. Something very similar happened uh, to the, the Umayyads of, of Spain. So that's why unity is very, very important. Let's, uh, what do we mean by unity? It doesn't mean that we all start following the same manhaj. That, that's not going to happen. That's just a pipe dream. And that's not even the design of Allah. 
for since after the Prophet's time, you know, since the time of the Sahaba, you had differences of opinion. The Sahaba had differences of opinion. So anybody who keeps saying that when are we going to get rid of these differences of opinion, they're not going to go, they're here to stay. Right? These fiqhi differences, they're here to stay. And it's part of the design of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the Sunnah. Because after the Prophet departed from this world, we've had differences of opinion. Abdullah ibn Masood had differences of opinion. Abdullah ibn Umar regarding how to pray, for example. And it's continuing, there's nothing wrong with that. They still loved one another. They still respected one another and they understood fine. You got that from the Prophet, I got this from the Prophet. So we need to understand. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, after about 25 years of massive inter-fighting and brain drain and just loss of uh, huge potential, Alhamdulillah, a lot of people have understood that. There's still small groups that still even will come today and will, will try to think that they have some superiority complex uh, to, to call everybody else completely off track. We're really going to have to, this is all about the survival and uh, preservation. So we have to unite together on the big ideas. And we can understand that we still have difference of opinion. We know the boundaries of that, that's very important. Allah then gives an example. He says, you need to hold fast to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala altogether and do not dissent. Do not be divided. Then Allah gives a beautiful example of the Aws al-Khazraj. They were actually of the same family, the Banu Qayla. Their overall family is called the Banu Qayla. Aws al-Khazraj of Medina Munawwara. But then they, they were from different clans, you know, different children and then their children. And they became different clans, though they were related. And then they started fighting. And they were fighting for 70 to 100 years because somebody had killed somebody and just continued and nobody sorted it out. And they just kept killing one another. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them together. And that can happen in Palestine and Israel. If people just do a more fair assessment, if the powers to be actually push both sides to accept a way forward. I believe that whether it's two state or one state or whatever it is that they can live, live together because we have lived together in the past. The Muslims were wonderful for Jews compared to the Christians of Europe who persecuted them and visited Slovakia, that story is there, they were persecuted from there. They were persecuted in Hungary, multiple other countries. It's the Muslims, we've never had an issue of persecuting, Christ, uh, uh, persecuting Jews, never. So I believe that if, if people really wanted to happen and they're not playing politics, and they really wanted to put, uh, to, then there will be people, because ultimately who's gonna, nobody's winning in this case, nobody's winning, everybody, is in harm's way. This can't carry on. This is not the way for it. So whether it's a proper two-state or a single uh, coexistent one-state, whatever it may be, but there has to be another way to look at this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that remember the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you when you were a'da. And you are enemies, sworn enemies. بَيْنَكُلُوبِكُمْ بَلَى اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَلَى Reconcile between your hearts. فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ مِنْ عَمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا Then you became brothers. You became brothers uh, through Allah's bounty and His favours. وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى شَفَى حُفْرَةٍ مِّنَ النَّارِ فَأَنْقَذَكُمْ مِنْهَا You were on the abyss of destruction, of the, of the hellfire. 
You would be tipped into the hellfire in no time. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extracted you. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes clear to you his, his signs, his ayat, so that you can gain uh, wisdom. Ultimately, as Allah says, وَإِذَا سَأَلْكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ That when Allah, Allah is saying that whenever my servants are calling on me, I am close. I am close. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ I will respond. I will respond to those that call on me. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا لِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So they should seek a response from me and they should strengthen their belief in me so that they can gain guidance. So again, going back to the first point, which is that all of these people who have died, Allah has taken them away from the miseries of this world and granted them a short way to paradise. And our real life is the world of the hereafter. When you die as a martyr in these kind of uh, circumstances, under aggression, in, uh, 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 when you're killed, um, in these kind of situations, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a lot more forgiving than for people who usually die uh, comfortably on their, uh, on their bed. Allah has a different way of looking at shuhada or martyrs. So we're praying that all of these people who, all of these innocent people who have been killed, they're all martyrs. They've been given, inshallah, they're having a tour of paradise. And I know it sounds so difficult for that to be something that we can appreciate, recognize, understand, and relate to, because we're very comfortable. But when you're in misery already, in a concentration camp, then, subhanAllah, you know, and then you had to go, or your loved ones had to go, at least we've got a way of thinking about that. We don't come into the world to die, well actually we do, but we don't come into the world to kill ourselves. It's an opportunity in the world. But sometimes there's not much we can do, we become helpless. Then if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to take us, that's his. Everybody's death is written, the 10 million, uh, 10,000 people have died, their deaths were written. We say that in hindsight, right? We're not saying 10,000 are written, so you better kill them. We say that in hindsight. And that's their path to paradise, insha'Allah. That's their path to paradise. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. We uh, will, uh, there's a few du'as that we have, aside from general du'a and everything, hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil is one du'a. Allah is sufficient for us, and He's the best patron. That is one du'a that we do over and over again. Subhanaka, la ilaha illa ant. Subhanak inni kuntu min There is no God except you. You are glorified, blameless, def- de- without defect. I was of the oppressors. I have a part to play in what's going on. I was of the oppressors. Ya Allah, forgive me. And have your mercy on me. Each one of us is going to say that. And suddenly there'll be mercy. There'll be that much more mercy. We all can make a difference. We can all make a difference. And then a beautiful dua which Imam Bukhari has related as well. La ilaha illallah al-azim al-hareem. La ilaha illallah rabbul arsh al-kareem. 
لا إله إلا الله رب السماوات السبع ورب العرش العظيم. Very powerful dua. Think of the meaning. There is no one except Allah, the mighty and the forbearing. There is no one except Allah, the Lord of the mighty throne. There is no one except Allah, the Lord of the seven heavens, the seven earths, and the Lord of the majestic throne. It's a very, very powerful dua. So we end with these words that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to do that which is correct and productive and right and practical and allow this to be a wake-up call for all of us as well. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if we, He can assist us in changing our ways so that it allows that much more mercy to be descending on the earth, especially in places like Ghana, especially there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relieve them of their problems. Amen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them safety and security Amen. and dignity and honor and respect Amen. and their freedom. They've suffered a lot. Those who've passed away, may Allah grant them shahada. Those who are sick in it, Allah grant them patience and perseverance and steadfastness. And Allah elevate their status. And Allah show them a much, much better day. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to resolve this conflict. Not just for a ceasefire, but to actually resolve the conflict. Um, and that is very important that we make dua for that. Not just for a ceasefire, but to actually have it resolved so that people, humans can act like humans again. Um, the insaniyat comes back to the human being. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow that to happen. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.